welcome back to the Look It Up podcast. We're your hosts, Julie. And Natalie. And this week, we're going to be talking about everything fan fiction. We thought we'd go a little lighter this week, because all of our past episodes have been, like, doom and gloom, I guess. Very, very. So, uh, fan fiction. Do you have any experience with fan fiction prior to doing this episode? Or I was... I was a prolific Wattpad reader when I was young. <laughs> I I honestly like couldn't get enough. I mean, same, but yeah. It was just that it's just that level of escapism. You just want to escape into a story that might be written really badly, but like you don't. It's just somehow it was really addictive. It felt like uh, oh, almost like junk massively food. Massively addictive. Yeah, definitely. I didn't write any myself, even though obviously like I did English at uni. I I did write a bit I guess when I, was... I find that surprising I feel like you would have but I wouldn't I I don't even know what you'd write it about so when I would read stuff on Wattpad to be honest it wasn't really fan fiction I used Wattpad as a way to read people's stories that weren't fan fiction because obviously people use yeah. Wattpad as like a platform I guess to post their own writing mm. When I was younger, I didn't really see the appeal of celebrity culture. And I, I was kind of into some series and some films and stuff, but I didn't really like. I, I, I didn't call, yeah, I I don't call feel myself like either of fans. us were. No. Because in high school, um, I don't think either of us particularly liked One Direction or Justin Bieber. No. I'm trying to think of all the other fan I mean, those two, within our school. Those two were the biggest, I think. Even on Wattpad, yeah. like, the whole place was flooded with 1D fan fiction. <laughs> and I just, I just remember skimming through them, as in, like, skimming through It was through. all, like, the, the funny thing about uh, Wattpad is the fact that you create your own book cover. Oh, my you God! Get those. Yes. And, and so you'd get these awful, like, black and white photoshopped picture of Harry Styles and then photoshopped with some random girl, mm-hmm. stock image of a girl mm-hmm. from Tumblr. And you could just tell that... It was a form of the girls fantasizing and putting themselves in the story, even though they might not call their character their name. It was obviously them imagining what they would, what would, would happen if they <laughs> happened to, I don't know, become One Direction's maid because their mum sold them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got sold to One Direction yeah. to pay off my mum's debt. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that was uh. kind of my early exposure. Um, Oh my god! It sounds like I'm recounting like trauma. Like this, this is my my early <laughs> exposure. To... Yeah. So just to clarify before we start, the main sites that we will be talking about are Wattpad and Archive of Our Own, which are the two. I also main have. Sites. I also have um, some stuff about fanfiction.net. Yeah. So I guess we should maybe start at the beginning. What would you say is like the first first account of fanfiction? Um, the, the very, very early accounts of fanfiction were not called fanfiction. They were called derivative works because they're just works that depends on one or more pre-existing works. So that literally is a lot of literature from the beginning of time. Like Homer's yeah. Iliad, which mm-hmm. is like a classic, a classical era thing, um, he had a lot of fanboys later on, like Virgil, Euripides, and they they would write like stuff about Helen and the Trojans that was really inspired by Homer's stuff. And you wouldn't think to call them fan fiction because it, fan fiction is such a modern term. But 
essentially yeah. like that is what it was it was people really admiring Homer's work and then writing about it as if you know they took the characters they took the the world it was set in they might even take uh so that there's things called thick sit thick which is sort of where people ignore the ending of the story and pretend uh-huh. and pretend it never happened so that the character <laughs> the characters can never come to their conclusion so that they can they're free to go on and have more adventures so that they, it's kind of like that's so cute when when is this when are you talking about um like or when was this term well i mean this coined? this is obviously a modern term but that that mm. concept has been around for oh, centuries see, yeah. like all these people who wrote inspired by homer's iliad mm. some of them would ignore the ending and then create their own adventures with the characters and stuff like that and they became classics in their own right i feel like the discussion around modern day fan fiction about it not being legitimized as real literature and yeah things like that like i think is so stuck in our own the confines of our own era like i'm I thinking like we when people say like what's the greatest poem of all time john milton's paradise lost mm. that often gets brought up and that uses characters from the bible i i don't know if that would be considered fan fiction but it's that's what i mean they're all derivative works um it's happened throughout history you know king arthur was just a series of stories that people borrowed off each other like you know there was so much backlash when um bbc aired their merlin series because they said that it wasn't accurate to the original story and like there was there is no original story king arthur is is a series of stories that all are inconsistent and contradictory and they all borrow off each other and it's just it just matters which one that you're choosing to base your adaptation off you're just another one at the end of the chain that's it, that's very poetic i like that and in shakespeare as well shakespeare borrowed from everywhere i mean I, I doubt much of his work was oh like, i heard i had no idea that romeo and juliet wasn't even um no and it was Hamlet. based on other stories mm-hmm. and, and the thing is if things aren't original wholly original then they're lesser it's just so wrong because so many of shakespeare's stories which he borrowed off other people like like romeo and juliet like hamlet they're his most popular works it just yeah i mean all true artists borrow from other people it's actually funny you should say that because um, I have a quote from the founder of AO3 mm. and uh, she said, I believe that all art, if it's any good, is in dialogue with other art. Mm. And I think... I, I 100% agree. It's it's kind of impossible to create something original and unique mm-hmm. because you're going to get inspiration from everywhere. So this is just a, another step. No, definitely. Further and, step. and I also, like, on a slight tangent, I feel like in the same sort of vein the idea of cliches and tropes and popular plot lines yeah why they're so popular and why they keep cropping up as cliches is because they're so indicative of just the normal human experience the reason why Mm. they are used a lot is because people can relate to them so well and nothing is truly new we've all we all all have very similar experiences it's not important that the idea itself is new but it's the way that you tell the idea that should be mm. the original part yeah uh star trek oh, oh wait do you wanna... let me go on to that so we, we okay okay so <laughs> <laughs> it's pre-star trek and post star trek <laughs> <laughs> that is our point in timeline so this is obviously really old stuff homer and shakespeare and king Arthur. and um, there's also like yeah. you know pygmalion um which is played by george bernard shaw and then that got 
um later on like my fair lady the musical was about it and then really recently like pretty woman was an adaptation of my fair lady so everything comes as i said as a chain everything's inspired by each other that just had me thinking are musical adaptations are they considered fan fiction i guess so they take the story and then they add music oh my god things like wicked yeah wicked is um wizard of oz yeah because it's it's taking the same wow (laughs) <laughs> that's made me think of things so, differently. Uh, this is what I mean like I feel like it is sort of a a really bad take that fan fiction is is worth less because I, I think it is just people thinking that they're better than teenagers who sit in their bedroom and write yeah I mean back to the history fan fiction as a term only really came about around the time when copyright became a thing because yeah 1710 with the statute of Anne that was the first bit but then you just get more and more laws added on like as copyright and recently like the Mickey Mouse Act of 1998 where Disney basically kicked up a huge fuss. They mm-hmm. they were scared because a lot of their stuff was going to come into the public domain in the 1990s and they were like, oh, like we don't want other people to get money from our ideas. So they used their like huge influence to lobby the laws to be changed and the copyright to be extended like they literally changed the entire laws of a country so that they wouldn't have to give the rights of their their own work away i can see i can understand that though mickey mouse is is too iconic there's too much power in mickey mouse Mm. and i think i think it was meant to go into public domain in 2019 um but i don't actually think it has because we would have heard about it so I think that they've managed to extend it again. <laughs> On the slide. <laughs> Can't let anyone know. But yeah, so that is just a big thing, obviously, that it's about making money now. And they don't want other people to have that money-making ability from their original ideas, which I guess is fair. It's interesting seeing their approach because I came across... Um, Japanese doujinshi do you Mm-mm, I don't know no, so doujinshi is um it's it's basically fan art but it can be released in a comic form so you get these illustrators and manga artists using characters from popular anime manga and video game franchises and then independently publishing mm. their own work this started in like the the 1960s and 70s mm-hmm. But in terms of like the the legality of it, it's in a grey area where doujinshi creators cannot be prosecuted unless a complaint is made by the holders of the copyright they have violated. Yeah. So they're in this in this grey area where unless you know Sega or Nintendo are coming for you mm-hmm. for your I don't know Kirby fan art Kirby. that is too raunchy or something. Kirby um, fan art that's too raunchy. The, I, the thing is, it probably exists. I don't want to. Anyway, anyway, um, yeah. Like it, unless uh, the actual copyright holders prosecute you, then it's okay. Mm. And I think it's it's really good to see how Japan has like embraced it because it encourages like new up and coming illustrators to practice their work and stuff. A lot of very talented doujinshi creators often get recruited by publishers, mm-hmm. so it helps the market it helps the the manga yeah. and anime market this is this is something that like i wanted to touch on as well like the concept of practice writing fan fiction allowed them to practice um and allowed yeah. them to step into that world of writing and, and to step into that 
the techniques of writing without being intimidated by the prospect of having to come up with your own characters, your own world that makes sense and, and all like yeah. facts are cross-referenced that you might just want to practice the delivery and you just might just... It's want- also uh, one of the benefits of fan fiction is in its community because when you upload your fan fiction, you're uploading your written work to an audience that you know is going to be receptive to your ideas mm-hmm. because they're already invested in the characters yeah. and the story anyway. So you know you've got their attention from the get-go. Exactly. And it also and motivates you-, you because you're passionate about the yeah. story. You're passionate. You have a big imagination about mm. what these characters do, even if you weren't going to write it down. So yeah. like, it motivates writers to write and practice their work with this world yeah. that they've read and they've loved so much. I, I had no idea that the the fan fiction like community aspect of it was so strong. I found out that um, it's quite common to hold challenges and festivals. So it would be like uh, your favorite fan couple, but this, this week it will be vampire themed. That will be one of their challenges. Mm. And then it's Christmas themed. So you have to write a Christmas themed fan fiction. And, all these uh, like festivals and challenges, it's a very like group orientated thing. You get almost like mentorship and everyone reads each other's work and gives criticism. I had no idea that like so much could be going on. Mm. It's, it's um, another way, of, bubble, in a way of finding your people as well. Yeah. I and I, I was reading some interview and um, this author who was a, a published author said that she got more feedback on her fan fiction within a week than she did from a um, publishing company an entire year. Mm. So just because you're, you know, presenting your work to people that want to read it. And so they will like happily give you feedback and stuff. Yeah. And I, yeah, like I like the Japanese model just because um, it actually allows the, these Jojinshi artists to make money from it. So at the moment, it seems like in the, a big issue when it comes to, fan fiction in the west is that there's no way to like make money from it unless you pull the name from the it's, characters it's literally and... in law that you you cannot make money from it yeah it, yeah it's, it... but then it's like, like if you're a struggling uh, writer and stuff how are you gonna break through you have to come it's... you have to just come up with your own original concepts like for example yeah. so the whole point of definition of fan fiction here is that it has to be transformative um, so you're you're transforming mm. the plot or characters or something in some way. It can't be completely like copy of original. Yeah, and it has to be non-commercial, so you can't make money from it. And and that mm. links to your point as well because fan fiction authors now have to think, okay, we can continue writing fan fiction. We we can't make money from our work, and we have to also yeah. make sure that the original author doesn't care that we're writing the fan fiction because mm-hmm. some people do care and they like will sue you i mean any any author with common sense will know that fan fiction doesn't detract from the your fan base isn't going to leave you for a, a fan fiction author that makes sense you're still going to get just as much money yeah, I, that, so if so, anything you should be encouraging mm-hmm. your fan base to so create all this content i've realized uh, in my research it, it said that they do realize now in recent years that it's not worth suing your fans for writing <laughs> fan fiction about your your thing about your idea yeah um because it does more harm than good because bringing out the lawyers 
it probably is going to alienate your readers, even if they don't write fiction themselves. Just the, the idea mm. of like bringing lawyers onto your loyal fans who are loyal enough to write fiction about you is just very <laughs> unpopular, um, understandably. Yeah. Um, and so they've real our authors and companies are beginning to realise that there's no point in suing the authors of fan fiction. But like people in the past mm. have really objected to it. So so the people who who haven't, like Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote Sherlock Holmes series, he absolutely yeah. loved it. Really? No, he didn't care at all when he was alive. People wrote plays, people wrote other books and stuff that um, was influenced and inspired by Sherlock Holmes. And he knew about all of them. I think, oh, what was it? Um, The author of um, Peter Pan. The author of Peter Pan wrote fan fiction. Mm -hmm. It's that that, that one. Yeah, about Sherlock. Yeah, Uh, J.M. Barry wrote about the tale of two collaborators or or something like that. But there were people who really care, like Star Wars George Lucas really, really cared about when in the early days when they were writing fan fiction about Star Wars, it, it was it, there was no etiquette involved because it was such a new concept. Like Star, I mean, mm. uh, fan fiction was such a new concept that they would send their fan fiction to the author um, to be like what? This, this is what I wrote. <laughs> what? Um, do you like it? Like oh god. <laughs> Oh my god, no! <laughs> because the way fan fiction started was that it was written in fanzines. Fans would make fanzines, which had art, travelogues, fiction, like loads of stuff in it, um, and they'd be released like not for profit. And because they were so new, they would just send their fanzine to the author. And so George Lucas would just get these these um, fan fictions about Star Wars, and then he'd be and he just. <laughs> He didn't like it. He didn't like as a creator that people were taking his ideas and making like smut out of it essentially. <laughs> like <laughs> he was uh, they ended, he ended up um sending letters out to uh, all the zines, the big zines at the time, warning them that they couldn't feel that they were protected, as in a warning basically to stop or you're gonna get sued. And then he ended up later on, like, banning all pornographic Star Wars fan fiction because he said that, like, (laughs) it was was disrespectful to his his idea. Like, he said true fans would respect the story as it is. Apparently, Star uh, Star Trek is responsible for modern fan culture as we know it. So, like, we mentioned, like, the fanzines, they got really popular. And so I like how they were mailed or sold at sci-fi conventions. The idea of like a fanzine being mailed to someone by post and it containing like fan fiction somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, after the invention of the internet, you had Usenet groups. So I actually had to ask my dad what that was. And um, apparently if you've ever like uh, torrented something, it's... It looks like that. It's like you you go onto it and there's just like a list of all these different files that you can download in parts. So if you just like scroll through and find these fan fictions that would all be uploaded there, it, it seems like very official and you'd have to download it in parts. Is this like floppy um, disk era? Yeah, this is like floppy disk era. So this is like, you know, 80s. And also, uh, what's it? Emailing lists. So the thought that you could be in an emailing group mm-hmm. and you'd email en masse your group of fellow Star Trek fans yeah. with your um, fan fiction. 
Star Trek is when it that's... started to get like romantic, though, like fan fiction. Romantic? I think fan fiction has always been romantic. But this is when people started to really jump on the bandwagon and start putting characters together that weren't actually like in together in the actual thing. The origins of the shipping culture. Yes, and and I learned that that was um, it's called like slash. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'd put like slash meaning because uh, it would be like how you differentiate the names within the couple. Mm-hmm. You would write like Kirk slash Spock. Yeah. To, to show that they were together. <laughs> and that was just really, really popular. It just proved to be really popular. And most of it was written by women. Even, even in the 1970s, from one of these conventions, 83% of Star, Star Trek fiction authors were female by 1970 and 90% by 1973 mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because um like the star trek fandom was kind of male dominated so this was one of the very few areas in fandom culture that women took the lead by a substantial margin okay so back in the day writers would have to either be part of like a fanzine uh, but then mm-hmm. when things became more digital you would have to make your own website in order to be seen and have your own audience as well as emailing lists but then when fanfiction.net was created in 1998, this is like mm-hmm. a huge turning point in like the fanfiction world because now <laughs> you could have all your fanfiction from all different fandoms all under one yeah. website where you could search it by tag. The creation of fanfiction.net kind of brought to light the issue of um, not safe for work content and uh. <laughs> all of this stuff because they would allow adult rated stories if you verified yourself as being over 17 mm. but in 2002 they had to change they, they, they decided to change their policy so all over 17 rating stories were taken off and mm-hmm. also all real person fan fiction was removed so they yeah. They didn't allow any fan fiction about actual people. It had to be all fictional. And I guess, like, because it was sort of a regulation of the website and they have a monopoly at the time, they didn't give mm. they didn't give anyone warning. So people would, they w- they would wake up and find that their story had been taken down. Yeah, because I was, I was looking up the origins of AO3, which yeah, is archive I was, of... So our... I was going to get onto that. So AO3 allows anything, like literally anything anything goes as long as you tag because it the idea is that it's an it's an archive it's not meant to regulate anything it's just meant to store anything and everything mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how how good your writing is doesn't matter what topic it's about doesn't matter how explicit it is as long if as you, you read in their uh in their terms of service uh when you log in you understand that you're that using the archive may expose you to material that is offensive, triggering, erroneous, sexually explicit, indecent, blasphemous, objectionable, grammatically incorrect, or badly spelled. <laughs> well, that's, that's just a very good summary, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, as long as you tag it properly, like you have to clearly tag all of your work, all mature work will say, this is mature work before you enter. You're responsible for your what you see. If you don't want to see it, click away i mean um one of their strengths is that it's funded by the fans themselves there are no um major backers there are no ads ads that run on the websites 
um it's all donations you don't have to worry about like yeah it's, it's all run by donation i guess it's kind of like more chaotic but like free <laughs> um i found it quite interesting actually why so many women write fan fiction because it seems like it's always been female dominated i have several ideas and theories as to why that's the case i think firstly women are just very like sexually repressed i feel i feel like they just <laughs> i mean i was gonna go for the highbrow route first by saying <laughs> things like lack of female representation in the media i'm, lack I'm of just interesting gonna female i'm just gonna jump we're no, going straight to I'm the... jumping straight into it i'm jumping straight into the reason why i feel there's a big desire and a big need for women to feel like they need to write these sexual fantasies out on paper or not even sexual yeah, fantasies, yeah. like romantic fantasies. They're so unfulfilled by their own real life love lives and sex lives that they feel like they have to play out their fantasies through the words on the page. I, I don't feel like, even if men do daydream about stuff like that, mm. I think there also is an element of men not wanting to write from scenarios from their imagination because there's a stigma around that as well i feel like men are better catered for though no but i feel like as if you say oh um i write fan fiction and you're and you're a man people would judge you for it more than they would judge you for it if you're a woman but is that because people know that fan fiction is mostly written by women or do you think that's because i think it's it's a thing where it's like why are you imagining a story about other people getting it on <laughs> What's like, it going to men? Just why? Why are you imagining? Why are you thinking? <laughs> why are you imagining a story about people getting on? Like it's sort of that um, pressure on men to be able to get it in real life, sort of thing. Oh, okay. So it'd be it'd be seen as like a bit pathetic yeah. if a man were to mm-hmm. write about unrequited love or something. Yeah, like too sensitive, Maybe. too soft, like too like pining. I think personally, it's more. Um, I think men are just better catered for. Like if if men do have like a particular fantasy or something, chances are they go onto Pornhub and it's already been done for them. Mm-hmm. The fantasy element and role-playing characters from movies or video games, that's already like in itself quite a large genre. And it's also like, porn. I feel like women need something that's a little slow, slower, a little more like yeah. slow burn. Whereas I feel well, like... I think, I think of it more of like, because uh, I know that um, like erotic novels do exist but I think that young men will go onto Pornhub as opposed to buying a copy of Playboy magazine women go on fan fiction websites because it's free and easily accessible as opposed to buying books which would be like the, the male equivalent of buying a Playboy magazine you know it's mm-hmm. like quick fix Yeah. I also think that a lot of fan fiction is written by women because lack of representation within entertainment so that can just be a purely lack of female characters so like a popular one would be something like the hobbit in fact sci-fi generally is known for lacking a presence of female characters mm-hmm. i also think that maybe even if they do have female characters they lack depth and they lack relatability mm. which is why so many women write their own write themselves into the story because they deserve to have the story as well, but they mm. just want to be a part of it. They're quite two um, D and like sexualized. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no way that the average person is going to relate to some alien queen that has the body of a Victoria's Secret model and 
is infinitely wise and beautiful. <laughs> so, yeah. And also, why is it so gay? AO3 is known for being a very inclusive space, also for the LGBT community. And I think that's mm-hmm. for many of the same reasons that women are drawn to fan fiction. It's because of like lack of representation and... Yeah. writing yourself and well, I mean, the very, expressing your own sexuality through the stories. The very roots of fan fiction, like modern fan fiction, is is in, you know, gay um, shipping. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's, on the one hand, it's like, oh yeah, the fan fiction is like a very inclusive space for gay people. But at the same time, I do wonder how much of it is fetishization. The same way that um, heterosexual men like lesbian porn, the same as like the equivalent would be straight woman reading gay fan fiction mm. it was it was women writing about star trek that's the thing a lot of like kirk gay and, fan fiction is is aimed towards a female audience and it's written by women so maybe, why is that maybe why do you think that is maybe it is sort of like a perverse fascination with close male bonds yeah In i can see it, like from I'm a bringing, very, uh, like black and white perspective it's like if you like men you would like to see two men together because like I, i'm it's just more I know of what I you keep, like and it removes i know i keep bringing it back to one direction but they're just the perfect example for everything to do with fan fiction so like they see one direction as a band and they're like oh <laughs> they're all really close <laughs> we're bringing it back to one direction okay yeah yeah, yeah. nice <laughs> they're all really close yeah so you have five people to choose from and they're all meant to be close because they're all a band they're all of like similar ages. Yep. They're all like you know conventionally quite attractive, and mm. like it's you have so many combinations. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're so close that you want them to be together. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. it's not just a case of like speculation. It's it's also I mean it's just hugely popular like in other stories where you have really close bromances. And and they really mm. and they really want them to get together. I actually found one uh, dissertation on gay relationships in fan fiction. Props to whoever wrote this this big long study, and it was it was actually really interesting looking at why uh, gay relationships are so popular amongst heterosexual women. And one of the reasons was that it allowed, especially when it's uh, slightly more toxic relationships, so like abusive relationships and whatnot, it allowed the female reader to entertain the fantasy of like an abusive relationship or something mm. without um actually coming feeling to like she's a part of it mm-hmm. yeah it's like um if you what if she were to read a female character in that situation just by like identification alone it might make her feel uncomfortable yeah because she can like relate to it but by having like a, a male character there instead it makes you feel safe because it's like you can't identify with that person. Yeah, it's non-relatable to you. So I thought that was quite interesting because one thing I have found is that there's a lot of um, abusive or I I don't know how to... like bad sex stuff? (laughs) What would you say? Um, Power power dynamics, like weird power dynamics. Yeah, I was going to say things like uh, um, incest, rape and paedophilia. You get a lot of that in fan fictions and like what's the reasoning behind that i don't really know or is that just a reflection of like i, I, the I don't of really humankind? know how there's this big debate all the time about whether people fetishizing rape and sexual assault um, and abusive relationships is 
I don't even want to say like right or not right like I guess it's just should they be writing stuff about it or not I don't know what you think I haven't come to I, I don't know I haven't come to my own conclusion myself I, I don't know myself yeah because I, I remember uh studying the picture of Dorian Gray and Oscar Wilde's argument was that art it's not their duty to be moral or immoral they just present whatever and then it's up to the viewer or the reader mm-hmm. to give it morality it's like how you interpret it and stuff yeah, um, I kind of get what they mean though when they say they shouldn't be giving that any more validity or exposure than it, than it already has. Yeah, like yes, you have your own creative freedom and your own expression. I mean, I haven't decided myself, so I'm merely playing devil's advocate here. But I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like maybe, maybe it is for the good of people to not spread that message that relationships, even a fictional, to be abusive. Mm and include those themes of incest and rape and stuff to present that relationship as right and enjoyable to read about you're kind of giving the subliminal messaging that that's correct or at least not reprehensible yeah something else that um i i found from this uh dissertation was that when it comes to uh fan fiction there could be on a subconscious level a fan might resent the control that the celebrity or singer that they idolize has over their life. So because, by writing, what, because uh, they love them so much, they they hate that. Yeah, they they love them so much, but they kind of hate how much that they love them. Oh my so, god! I'm <laughs> this is, so this is an interesting listen, theory. I'm so glad that we were not part of this because what is that? <laughs> <laughs> I know, but through the act of writing fanfic and subjecting the character to vengeful love or um you know abusive relationships or even rape the fan gains control over themselves like regains that control that they lost to that celebrity i mean have they really lost it you're writing a story about that world so technically your your whole life is being consumed by this idea one you love one direction you love justin bieber so much that you actually dislike how much you love them knowing that they'll never love you back so you write a really abusive relationship for them to somehow regain control over that relationship i understand i understand it in theory but it's just like it in theory yes but in practice reading that i was just in like practice, wow <laughs> in practice you're still writing about him so yeah, it's still yeah. like you're you're putting time and effort into writing a character but it's like it's like making those voodoo dolls that you like stuff pins in like just to feel like you surely, got the upper hand somehow. Surely, true breaking away from control is for you to just not write about them and not think about them and kind of wean them out of your life. But I do get the concept, I guess. So we were talking before about um, controversial relationships being depicted in fan fiction, whether or not like that's right or not. So something that I did see was um, the prevalence of fan fiction either set or involving the Holocaust or slavery. Mm. And just like, is that acceptable? And what what does that mean? You know, what's... On a like conceptual level, that is kind of the same as real person fan fiction because you're taking real life events, real life scenarios, real life history. Yeah. Um, and you're like putting f- fictional characters and fictional narratives mm. into that history. And especially for some... For a history to be so politically, ethically charged, 
Yeah. Like, I think it, 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 I would agree that it, it is disrespectful, depending on. I, I how... agree that it's disrespectful, but like, I kind of don't understand why it's even a thing because I know that um, recently there was an issue with on TikTok. There were these teenagers pretending to uh, dressing up as um, Holocaust victims and then giving. Oh some God, I saw that. Weird. Yeah, 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 and they were like almost acting out as if they were uh, in the Holocaust in a really badly taste way to represent the victims and like spread their narrative. It is. It's trauma porn. They're they're taking things that have big shock value and big big emotional charge and mm. under masquerading it under teaching people history or um commemorating or stuff like that yeah. and they're reenacting these things because it's trauma porn i say okay you know what i change of opinion i think this is a reflection of poor education of students because there is no way if those teenagers had properly learned about the holocaust or had learned about the effects of slavery i don't think they would be doing these kind of things if they fully understood like the gravity of the situation, I don't think they would be doing that. No, I disagree. I think really? children are little brats. I think <laughs> I disagree. So it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if they've been well educated. I don't, still I don't do it. think education. Obviously, if you educate everyone, obviously it will help some people to not be idiots. But I think even if you educate people, I don't think education is a solve all like i think some people are genuinely idiots because they're idiots not because they haven't been educated even if they learned about the atrocities of the holocaust and how bad it was and how the gravity of the situation i guarantee you there will still be someone who's like this will gain lots of likes on tiktok so to make sure that everybody knows how horrible it is i'm going to dress up as them and act it out or they're just malicious. We're, we're, we're totally overlooking the fact that some people are just bad I, people. I like, to, I like to think, though, if a teenager is writing a fan fiction involving slavery or the Holocaust, I like to think, in a, in a positive outlook, that maybe they are somehow like humanising the narratives and like feeling some kind of empathy for the characters that they're writing and like the plights that they're going through. And maybe it can lead them to be better people. Or maybe the teenagers that are reading this kind of stuff can... You know, if it humanizes a terrible situation, I think then maybe it, I think it depends on what. Maybe there can be some good from it. No, but no, I, I think it depends on what narrative you're you're giving. If it's a smut about someone in the Holocaust, it's obviously that's the thing. It exists. It, there are stories I on know, Wattpad of I know it exists, but I'm saying Nazi officers I'm, and you know. I'm saying I don't think that should be written. Forbidden romance. I think that that is disrespectful. But writing about stories within the Holocaust itself i don't think is a bad thing if it's in regards to fan fiction isn't writing it setting it in the holocaust or like in slavery isn't that almost like just putting your characters on a, a different backdrop it's almost treating the holocaust like a backdrop and not like the treating message it with the... of the holocaust that we should take from it is just being like demeaned like i, I just think it's you it's yeah, not adding yeah. it's not adding anything to the narrative you're not you're not sending a more poignant message so we we mentioned did you know that ao3 so archive of our own was actually accessible in china and was very very popular there mm -hmm. and last february something went down that resulted in just the biggest meltdown of everything and one particular fan group being labeled as the worst fan group of all time which particular so, fan group was that We'll get on to that. So <laughs> there's an actor called Xiao Zhan. Do you know about him? No, Have you heard about him? No. 
Okay, so he is uh, one of the leads alongside Wang Yibo in a Chinese drama called The Untamed. And this drama is very, very popular in China, but it's also um, becoming increasingly popular outside of China because it's now available on Netflix, um, if you're interested. Mm -hmm. uh, Xiao Zhan is kind of like the equivalent of Timothy Chalamet or Tom Holland. He's young, he's good looking. Uh, he's kind of seen like a pop icon. And the book that this Chinese drama, The Untamed, was based on yeah. depicts a gay relationship between its leading characters. But because of Chinese television broadcasting rules, it meant that a lot of that didn't make it into the TV show. Mm. So instead you're left with like, you know, longing gazes and ambiguous talk about soulmates and lifelong friends. I, the translation gets a bit weird there. Um, so the fans have then started creating a lot of fan art and fan fiction depicting this gay relationship, even though it's not really shown in the TV show, just because it's based on the source material in the book. Yeah. Last February, one fanfic gained a lot of criticism from Xiao Zhan fans because it depicted Xiao Zhan, the actor, not the character he was playing, as a teenage cross-dressing prostitute falling in love with his co-star Wang Yibo and this fan fiction is uh, contains Wait, sex scenes. So they, so, so they didn't name him as, as the character, they named him as the actor. As the actor. Uh, yeah. So we're now going into this realm of like real person fiction. And the fans thought that having him involved in this homosexual uh, relationship in the fan fiction, it might tarnish his image. So mm. on mass, reputation Xiao is, is fans, huge in um, China. Exactly, yeah. So Xiao Zhan fans on mass started uh, reporting the fan fiction, claiming that it was underage pornography. Because although Xiao Zhan is 29 years old, in the fan fiction, he was a teenager. He was underage. I see. So they were just hoping to get this fan fiction removed. Within two days, the uh, Chinese cyberspace police, they took down not only um, Archive of Our Own, but they also took down Lofter, which is another Chinese fan fiction site. The problem is that AO3, or Archive of Our Own, is hugely popular in China with loads of different fandoms. So... If you're an anime fan, manga fan, novels, movies, everything, uh, it was really, really popular. And it was also very popular with the LGBT community because due to like Chinese censorship and stuff, it means that a lot of LGBT relationships are just not depicted in Chinese entertainment. Yeah. So that's where they go to AO3. Mm -hmm. So after AO3 got taken down, all these people, all these like fandoms started rising up as free speech activists and started boycotting the brands that Xiao Zhan was campaigning for. So they included like Estee Lauder, Olay. There were some high-end jewelry brands as well. It wasn't just a boycott. They also crashed the brand's customer service lines and started promoting the brand's competitors on social media. They also trended hashtags wait, 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 calling wait. for wait, so these brands to drop Xiao Zhan as an endorser. So wait, but he wasn't the one who, who, who was doing Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Xiao Zhan didn't do anything and the brands themselves, they didn't do anything either. But they just got this onslaught of like this. Um, these hashtags were like trending, top trending in China. Drop Xiao Zhan targeting all these brands. They were, so they, they were so mad at his fans. They were so mad. Yeah. And it meant that he uh, he got taken down from some of the ad campaigns, like some of the websites and social media accounts of these brands. And uh, poor guy, he didn't do anything. <laughs> I know, I know. And it just 
Like he was just minding I, his I own business, this. doing his acting. Yeah, and his fans were like, "You're ruining his reputation." <laughs> I'm gonna shut yeah, down. Yeah, and so his his fans have now been labelled as the worst fan group of all time because I mean they managed to kill a source of creativity and expression. In for... in all fairness, they didn't mean it. They didn't mean it. <laughs> They didn't, yeah, they didn't, ex- they just wanted one fan fiction to get taken down and instead they took down the entire site. <laughs> they the entire site. They should have known. They should have known that Big Brother was watching. And the funny thing is, like, uh, so since then, he apologised in an interview and uh, the interview went viral and it's got 40, over 40 million views on oh, Chinese platforms. poor guy. He didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. He shouldn't have apologised. Oh, well. So. Leave him to his face cream. I don't know. He'll, like, he'll do, he'll be fine. <laughs> real real person fiction like is it do you think it is a detriment to i think definitely a i think image? i think it definitely goes it's definitely a def- different realm to fictional characters you can't really yeah. do harm to a fictional character like un- unless you the, the most you can do is offend the create original creator that you've done something unspeakable with this fictional character <laughs> um yeah um, but it, it mm. doesn't harm real people it's not it isn't it in a sense like a form of harassment or abuse but that's the thing is it i feel very like weirdly about it because also it brings into question so many different things like if if somebody is writing explicit fan fiction about somebody a real life person who is underage like is that counted as underage pornography so for example um you know justin bieber he became very very famous at a very young age if you get like a 14 year old girl writing uh, a fan fiction that were including a sex scene with Justin Bieber, who was like, what, 16 at the time, mm. is that considered underage pornography? I think. Even though it's fiction? I think everything. I think if, you, if you're going to go by definition, yes. But I think it obviously depends on who's writing it. If you're, if you're a 16 year old girl writing about a 16 year old boy, I, don't, I think it's obviously less severe than if you're writing if you're a 38 year old yeah because man then, yeah writing about a 16 year old boy <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's a also one. i think it, it also like it brings into question like my own sense of bias because i, I feel like you know hearing about uh, a woman writing sexual fan fiction about someone like justin bieber compare that to the reverse say millie bobby brown she's underage imagine if a man was writing sexual fan fiction about her it's like I, I don't know, it's... Yeah, it's it... our own ingrained biases. Yeah, I think we have to but... consciously go, like, try and unlearn that, though, because it should either all yeah. be wrong or all be right. Like, I think it's it, it definitely is a tough one. I think if it offends the person... Yeah. I think that's the line I'm taking. What, go, like, go the Japanese route, which is, like, unless the person... Unless the person um, who is in the fanfic, like, speaks out against it, then it's okay. There's yeah, but there's also this like uncomfortable notion of just um, Justin Bieber when he's sixteen. Somehow that's you know that's terrible. We shouldn't be writing sexual fan fiction about a sixteen year old. But then the second that he turns eighteen, if people start writing sexual fan fiction about him, is that somehow seen as acceptable? Like, is it okay to be writing sexual fan fiction about fully grown people? Again, I'm gonna say if they like it, then that's fine. Imagine, yeah, oh my I, god, imagine like I know they probably never do this, but like imagine if you searched yourself you're famous and you search yourself on like a fan fiction website like how weird <laughs> i feel like but i feel like within celebrities like they all must collectively know just 
don't do that. <laughs> just don't, because you're not going to find anything. It's going to be emotionally you scarred. Want to hear. Just from, just from also, like. Also, it, it brings up the question: like, if you if you're a celebrity, are you by being a celebrity? I don't know. Like, is there a certain income bracket that you just kind of give over your entire image to the public for them to do as they please with it? I guess it's it's an unspoken contract, isn't it? It's it's yeah. one that you never want to sign, but it comes with the job. And I don't think that actually mm. ever mean that you no longer have the right to feel a certain type of way. Like, I really don't like it when I see arguments saying, you're a footballer, you signed up for this, you, you know you're going to get abuse, just deal with it. You'll know you're going to get hated. Yeah. You're an influencer, so you know you're going to get haters, so you you signed up for this sort of thing. Like, I hate it when people say, you signed mm. up for this, and they use it to justify abuse, because you didn't sign you didn't consciously sign up for it. Like, you didn't yeah. sign a contract saying, yes, I'm, I'm going to get abuse and I'm okay with that. I think uh, also fan fiction, it's easy to dismiss it because it's like just written words. And at point blank, you, you know, you have to actually sit down and read through the entire thing for you to get the gist of like what the content is. Another popular form of fan expression would be fan art. Mm. Depicting a celebrity or a real person in fan art doing something... You know, a lot sexual, yeah, and that is like, very. Is that considered <laughs> harassment? Very instant. You just look at it and you know what it is. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, don't know. know. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for all of it being like iffy, if because I don't imagine because many like, people the, would there like comes that. So many uh, gray areas because then it's is illustration acceptable, but then what about photo manipulation? It starts getting a bit more real. I, I then, think, I think you know, I'm gonna go back to what I said. I think. You have the right to create whatever you want. You don't have the right to ensure that the reception of your work will be a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that no matter how popular and how big of a fan base and how well-known the celebrity is, I still think they have a right mm. to have an issue with people doing it. Mm. You're going to see, start seeing more of um, fan fiction works being turned into like legitimate works. So... Uh, I don't know if you saw the movie Afters that was put on Netflix. No, I, I, and that was it. Uh, the young adult novel is actually based off of a One Direction fan fiction depicting Harry Styles as a bad boy. We're back at One Direction again. Trauma. <laughs> back at One Direction because it's the start and end of everything. So I found out that um, this year, Wattpad, the novel site so yes it hosts fan fiction but also um original content as well it is going into the movie production industry so the hugely successful um movie the kissing booth mm. that was you know on what? netflix fun fact i actually read that when it was like the smallest story like no way i did i read it seriously when it was when it first came out and the writer was updating her um chapters like chapter by chapter and she was like oh writing it. like i was one of the first people to read her work and then it blew up it blew up on what panic got like millions of readers yeah like, yeah i can truly say that i was i was there first OG fan. Yeah. Oh my god, that's amazing. But yeah, um, last October, Netflix announced that 66 million people watched The Kissing Booth within the first four weeks of the film's release. So it puts it up there with the new seasons of Stranger Things and The Witcher. Crazy. That's how popular that movie was. And it turns out that um, teenagers watch more Netflix than any other age group. So it's now become the main focus of these streaming platforms like 
Hulu and Netflix mm-hmm. to cater to this young adult audience as much as possible. So Wattpad, previous, they, they uh, realized that they were sitting on this treasure trove of literary content and stories that were written by mm-hmm. teenagers and like appealing to teenagers. And so in 2016, they launched their own in-house production company so they were trying to find stories on their website that they could then sell to major entertainment companies. Yeah. But as of last year, they are now producing their own movies based on the works that appear on their site, The Kissing Booth. I think I think I think that's really clever because there were loads of like every season or so there would be a new a new story that was the bigger story. Yeah, yeah. Like it, and it, and to be honest, like as a writer now, some of it was actually quality stuff. Even if the um, <laughs> plot lines were very like cliched and like overused, the way it was written was actually yeah. like all right. It was appealing to somebody. Like the fact that you know these stories would get millions of people reading them, they must be doing something right. So yeah, there would there, yeah, was, and... there is merit there to to translate that into um, Netflix shows and yeah, and like Netflix is taking this really seriously. They've got they're even now using. I know we keep talking about AI, but yeah, they're using a. Uh, machine learning tool so one of them is called story dna and that's looking at the micro and macro trends that are emerging in their stories on wattpad so it's really interesting like the micro trends would be individual stories that are gaining a lot of attention um individual like authors and then they can reach out to them and get their um stories in made into a movie but then they can also look at macro trends which are like the sub categories of these stories that are becoming popular uh, everywhere so it'd be things like you know, gay wizard or lesbian mermaid, those kind of stories, if they find that those ones are the ones that are getting really popular, mm. they can reach out to certain writers and stuff to make these stories happen. Because it's all about getting like turnover, quantity over quality when it comes to streaming platforms. Yeah. So don't be surprised if you end up seeing more of these uh, fan fiction turned novel turned TV show start appearing. That's the, that's the future. This is where we're heading. Fan fiction is the future. <laughs> we yeah. come a full circle. Fan fiction is the past and the future. So we all started with Homer. Oh and my now god! We're, now we're, yeah. Now we're here. We come full circle. And at the heart of it all, One Direction. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so on that note, we're going to end this very chaotic and light-hearted episode. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys, and tune in in two weeks' time for our next episode. And taking up our Instagram which is at Look It Up Podcast and on Twitter which is at Look It Up Pod uh, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time bye bye